everyone. This is Chris and Sandy Benton with the Chris and Sandy Show. We get up close and personal with some amazing rising artists. And today, like I say on every episode, we got a great one for you. We've got David Allen Burns coming on. He's doing some great things out there. He's definitely rising. And we're excited to hear parts of his story and talk about some music. So, <clears throat> so David, are you here? I am. How you doing, man? I am doing good. And Sandy, you here? I'm here, yes. We're all here. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> we like to have fun. I tell you, you know, we do. As our show grows, I, I hopefully that we can always have fun. That's the biggest thing. Oh yeah, that's yeah. You having fun, then you're doing something wrong, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I always like to start the same way because of the time time frame that we're in in the, for 2020. Um, how has COVID affected you, and what are you doing to maneuver through it? Um, you know, I was with everybody where we were shut down for the full two months, you know, when the country was completely on lockdown. But um, we kind of went with the mindset of, you know, we can let it bury us or we can roll up our sleeves and deal with the gritty and work. And uh, we, we went with option two. Um, you know, we had a single go number one on Texas radio right as the whole thing was happening. We got the next single out and uh, – it went number one neon town here about, I keep saying a few weeks ago, I guess it's been maybe about a month now. So we are third straight number one here at Texas radio in the midst of oh, wow. it. And uh, Texas started kind of opening up back in May. And so, uh, man, in reality, we've been out touring again, whether it's private parties or restaurants that, you know, or venues, yeah. but I, I've had yeah. one weekend off since things have opened back up. So it's actually, uh, you know, we did a lot of Facebook lives and did them with radio and stuff like that, you know, while we were on complete quarantine. And so I, uh, I've i actually seen our numbers go up and been able to push music. And like I said, just being, being one of the acts that has rolled up our sleeves and went out and toured, you know, we, we there's been a lot of shows that normally we would turn down and uh, just to be able to play, we've taken them. But I've, uh, I've actually seen, you know, a lot of growth through this with us. So we've, uh, we've been very, very fortunate. You know, obviously I, I would not wish this on – anybody but i just think it kind of shows to the determination and the grit that i've always had that if you just keep plowing mm-hmm. and you keep working and you figure out if there's a will there's a way and so uh, that's kind of been our our mentality of it and i definitely get where you're coming from because when you know in january when we first launched this show our idea was 80 to 100 interviews first year we thought if you know what if we could pull off 100 interviews first year that would just <laughs> be awesome and we thought that'd be ahead of a lot of hosts who do shows and we thought that would be a great bang for the for 2020. And then COVID right. happens. And then I remember telling Sandy, I was like, oh, this could be our year to shine. Um, because these artists are going to need places to talk. We're going to give them, not only are we going to give them that platform to talk, but we're going to go all out and just take every interview we can do. And because of that attitude, you're our 220th interview, or 21st, I think 221st <laughs> interview. Man, yeah. I say you're on a you're on scale to have a some record breaking years then going on now. <laughs> yep, because it looks like you know our goal now is 300 for the year. There yeah, working at 300. <laughs> well, Lord but, knows I got yeah. enough ADD. If you start running low, we can find random things to talk about if you need to fill some gaps. So we're we're good to go. So you know, before we really dig into your story, I always like to go a little light. So, what are some hobbies you like to do outside of music? 
Uh, you know, I'm like a lot of artists where, you know, this takes up the majority of my time, but, uh, I've always been a sports guy. Uh, you know, I love being outdoors in general, you know, being from central Arkansas, I love duck hunting. You know, I love hunting of all kinds, but ducks, that's the only one I usually get a chance to do because I'll be at home at Christmas, but, uh, love going out on the boat and all that good stuff, grilling, just kind of, I don't know, anything active and outdoors. I started crossfit <laughs> the last couple of months, so I can't say that I enjoy that, but it's getting me back in shape. So I'm just, uh. I don't know. I just like being active, man. Anything out and about. Yeah, I love that. So, um, what would you say is something unusual about you that people don't know? Uh, believe it or not, and I've gotten a little bit better about this, but for someone that's as talkative as I am, I'm actually pretty daggum shy. It's uh, getting me to start the conversation is pretty tough, but once I get talking, I'm, I'm good to go. But, yeah, I've always been pretty shy growing up. You're my kind of person because I'm like that too. Starting the conversation has always been tough, but once we get the talking look out, I can go hours. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And Sandy can vouch for that because, uh, you know, it's funny. As we look back on our almost 18 years of marriage, um, that when we're out and about, there'll be times where we end up, I end up striking a conversation with someone. I'm talking stranger now, not friends. And, I, and I'll end up in a conversation with somebody, and she knows two or three minutes in. That, uh, this is going to be 60 minutes. There's no way around it. And we're going to be here in 60 minutes. And, and, I, and I've done that thousands of times through our almost 18 years of marriage. But the funny thing is we look back now and we're like, oh, wow, that prepared us for this show. Absolutely. Well, you know, that's kind of like me. You know, I think once I really started mm-hmm. kind of getting past it a little bit was, you know, back in what 2011 or so when I did my first national radio tour and, I realized, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to visit these stations. I better figure out something to talk about. And so that kind of <laughs> helped me start breaking the ice a little bit. But, yeah, I uh, <laughs> I feel you, man. It's tough. It's hard to find that Kickstarter. Once we're going, man, it's off <laughs> to the races. So. so tell everybody a little bit of who you are, where you're from, and kind of uh, your backstory a little bit. Because I like to get to know the artists, not just the music. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, you know, I grew up in central Arkansas. Um little town called Sherwood. Nobody knows where that is, so I always just say North of Little Rock. Um, my my folks, uh, I, I kind of grew up a little different as far as age-wise, and I think that's got a lot to do with my mentality and my musical taste and all that stuff. I uh, I, I got three way older sisters. My my parents had me at 40 years old, so I was a late-in-life kid, and you know my, my youngest sister was out of the house by the time I was, I don't know, six, eight, somewhere in there, and so... Um, I just kind of grew up a more old school mentality. I grew up with parents and a dad that listened to more old school country. I, you know, I, kind of now that I'm older, I realize I wasn't raised like a lot of the guys my age and a lot of the kids my age. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, you know, I was always active. Uh, you know, we literally every day of the week we were doing something. You know, my dad was an Eagle Scout, and so he got me into scouting as a kid. And, you know, I was playing music at nursing homes and stuff on Monday nights. I was an athlete. So Saturdays there wasn't no cartoons. It was going out in the, the field and, and doing work, and so that's part of the reason I think I like sports so much, because if I had a game, I didn't have to go work, so, but, uh, you know, just typical old Southern family growing up with, you know, old school kind of conservative values and hard working, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I, you know, they they took me to see George Strait when I was three years old there at this uh, arena called Barton Coliseum there in Little Rock, and right there at three years old, I, I said, man, that's, that's what I want to do, and, you know, it took many years of being a young kid of saying I want to be George Strait before I realized well, I'll never be George Strait. I better just figure out how to want to do country music, and uh, I did. <laughs> and 
it, it led me, uh, like I said, nursing homes and talent shows my entire childhood. And finally in high school, I put together my first band. You know, I, I, I would throw off my pads on Friday night and go head straight to a gig. And so mm-hmm. that kind of, you know, where most kids were out partying and doing that, man, I was already playing music. I, in fact, I always laugh that I took a big old pay cut to move to Nashville, man. I was racking in money every weekend <laughs> playing music. But uh, I finally uh, realized that, I could only go so far doing, you know, playing around Arkansas. And so my folks forced me to do the college thing. That lasted about a half a semester. And uh, <laughs> I packed up, went to Nashville, and that's where the next kind of story begins and leads us to where we are. So. Oh, well. Now, uh, you know, ever, uh, most artists, they have a point to where they, all, they wanted to do music. <laughs> but they also have a point to where you kind of look in the mirror and you're like, wow, this could become a career. Tell us that moment where you realize, you know what, this could be a career for you. You know, I I know what you mean because I've talked to a lot of guys like that, but I I think it's the moment that I realize, oh, you have to make money to survive. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, really and truthfully, it's, I mean, I've got teachers that will come to concerts and stuff now. They're like, man, he knew when he was a little kid what he wanted to do. Oh, you know? wow. so, I mean, it's, it's always, I mean, literally from three years old on, I mean – you're sitting in class and you got to talk about career day and what you want to do. And there's people saying, Oh, I want to be a, a football player or whatever. I mean, I, I've been saying since I was three years old, I'm going to be a country singer. So, I mean, it's, it's always, always, yeah. always been, you know, what I wanted to do. It wasn't something I just picked up along the way and decided. So. Got to love that. Um, <clears throat> so as you know, one, one of the things I, I like to talk about on our show is, the ugly side a little bit, so to speak. You know, a lot of people, they see the glory of a Blake Shelton, of a Miranda, of a Carrie, but they don't see the grind, the sacrifice, the tears that, not, that it takes not just to get to their level, but to even a career level. And I always like to talk mm-hmm. about that because nobody talks about it. And I yeah. make sure every show that we talk about that side of it. And I tell a quick story that will help guide us of where I want this to go. Back in 2014, we interviewed Allison Steele from Two Still Girls, and I remember back then that the, the, one of the questions I asked her was, what advice would she give an up-and-coming artist? And I'll never forget what she said. <clears throat> she said, this is going to sound funny coming from someone full-time. She said, but if your heart will allow you to do anything outside of music, meaning you, see, you can see yourself doing something else, she goes, go do that and keep music as a hobby. She goes, because the moment you want it to be a career – um, you no longer own your life. Everybody owns a yep. piece of your life, whether you like it or not. Because yep. your friends and relatives, they never understand. They invite you to weddings, gigs, they, um, weekends, holidays, all that. But you, you know, you, you got to say no because you're, especially at the beginning, you're grinding it out. They don't get it that you can't say no to these gigs. And once you've made it, you, you definitely can't cancel because you don't want to be that kind of mm-hmm. artist that cancels <laughs> on gigs. And plus, there's 40, 50 people depending that you do that gig. So it's not just you on the line anymore. Once you've accepted gigs, then your family has to sacrifice along with you. And then on top of that, that wasn't enough. She went on to add that then there's days that you just feel miserable. You just don't yeah. want to do anything. But if you've got a gig that night, you've got to get on that stage and smile like there's no tomorrow. But then she went on. She added, she said, but if your heart will not allow you to do anything else outside of music, if all you can see yourself doing is music – then go all in because that's the only way that those kind of sacrifices could ever be worth it. What do you think of 100%. what you said and talk about that? Oh, it's <clears> absolutely <throat> true. And, uh, you know, it's, 
it, it, it kind of made me inside laugh because you know there, there's two things that that that, uh, that came to mind. There was I uh, you know hey everybody's always like you know what's your plan B and my answer's always been don't screw up plan A. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget the day, you know, a little 19-year-old me packed up to move to Nashville, my little southern mama that sometimes says things that you're just like, gee, thanks, Mom. But I, I remember, you know, the last thing she said to me, and I, I make sure I remind her of this all the time, but it wasn't good luck. It wasn't we're proud of you. We love you. It was, mm. I sure hope this works. I know you don't know how to do anything else. <laughs> and, uh, that, that's the God honest truth of me. I mean, if I ever get to oh, wow. that I can't do this, I am absolutely screwed because I, I can promise you, God gave me all my talent and a guitar and music. I, I am pretty worthless with anything else. But, and um, you know, people you know, don't I, get that. Yeah. It's well, and yeah, I think that's part of the deal where, where a lot of people aren't, you know, it's kind of off topic, but, you know, with, you know, everything yeah. being yeah. shut down and people not being able to tour right now, you know, I hear a lot of people saying, well, just go find another job. And like, you don't realize that it doesn't matter if you're a, a, a manager, if you're a, a crew member, if you're a, a the the sound guy, if you're a side man, if you're the the business manager. You know, you sacrificed and put many many years of of school or shadowing or just you know doing it. In, you know, it's not as easy as just you know. There's a lot of people that put their entire lives into this, and uh, I think that's something people have to really keep in mind, especially you know right now while you know there's a lot of acts not being able to tour and even more when they do start mm-hmm. getting to go back out there again you know I, yeah. I feel like music as a whole has kind of been devalued and you know mm-hmm. definitely there's a, there's it's, it's, it's like you said a minute ago there's a whole lot of people besides the artists you see singing the songs behind the scenes that are part of this and at the end of the day we do love it we do it because we love it but it's a business and you got to make money and uh yeah you're absolutely mm-hmm. right man there's there's a lot more to it but uh you know and you know a lot of people as, too I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I was, I was just going to add on, you know, a lot of people, when you hear interviews of your big big artists, and there's always one question that, and this kind of ties into what you just said, so that's why I wanted to say this, but um, a lot of times there's always one question that every reporter asks those big artists. If music didn't work, where what would you be doing today? And 90% of the time they say – I would just be a broke musician because I had no plan B. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that's a gone honest answer. I mean, you said it better than I would have because my answer probably would have been I have no clue because I don't know what else I could do. But I mean, that, but that's the gone honest <laughs> truth. I'm, I still am a broke musician trying to figure this thing out. So, you know, that, that's uh, it's, you know, and that's the thing. And, and, you know, like I said, I don't know how much y'all read up on my story and stuff. I mean, as far as the what would you change or the dark side, I mean, to be honest with you, my past 14 years have been that, but it's been a balance of keep going, keep yeah. striving. You know, I, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I guess if we want to just dive right into it, you know, like I said, I, I, one thing that I love, but I hate about my growing up is that, you know, my dad had, he was in the military and he had a, a, a day job and, you know, he just went to work. He didn't really have to know business. You just, you know, did your thing. And the, the biggest, biggest, biggest thing that I hate about this business is that you have to be business smart. And I wasn't. <laughs> I, I, you know, yeah. I, I grew, I grew up in mm-hmm. a just, you shake their hand and everybody's your friend until they give you a reason not to be. And that is the worst way to be in this industry because uh-huh. uh, there's snakes in the grass every single inch away that are wanting to take advantage of you. And uh, I have yeah. found them at every single step and, you know, it, it has changed me. I, I'm still friendly old David, but it, it makes you kind of look at people and go, all right, what are they trying to screw me out of? And, um, uh, 
you know, it starts with, you know, I moved to town. I was 19. There's, I'm hardcore on traditional country. I'm, mm-hmm. I had, you know, that was back in the day when, you know, Rascal Flatts and, and Jason Aldean, mm-hmm. a lot of the, the popular and rock stuff was coming out. And I've always been pretty vocal about, you know, if, if you want to be something that ain't country, then go be it and leave country to, to country people. And uh, there wasn't many 19-year-olds that were coming in knowing all this Merle Haggard and, you know, wanting, you know, I, I, when country really started changing, I said, okay, well, who made the guys that made me? And that's when I started digging in and finding, you know, Taggart and Lefty Frizzell. I wanted to know where my style came from. And so, you know, I'm coming into town and going to the fiddle and steel and sitting in and singing stuff like I never go around mirrors and all that. And so I instantly grabbed the attention of a lot of the older crop, which, you know, I spent the first, I don't know, year, I guess, down there doing the whole Broadway and all that scene. And, I got a record deal within that first year, very, 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 very fast. But the reality wow. of it was, I had I had a manager that is Satan walking this earth. <laughs> I had uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. a contract that I signed that the lawyer to this day still says might be the worst contract I've ever seen in my life. And oh, wow. uh, you know, but there was a lot of silver linings to it. You know, I, I, I firmly say that everything happens for a reason. And uh, you yeah. know. It got me off Broadway because I had that record deal and got that publishing deal. You know, I didn't really care that much about writing songs. I mean, I wrote to write, but having a publishing deal, it's like, oh, I'm going to get paid this much every month to turn in songs. Okay, I guess I'll make this a priority. Well, I'm so glad it did. <laughs> it, uh, yeah. it made me really start learning the craft. It made me get in the mm-hmm. room with these hit writers that I had no business even getting the time of day from. And oh, wow. I started getting groomed. I mean, really for about four or five years. I mean, I, I did, I got groomed. I learned how to, to start becoming an artist. You know, I, I learned how to quit trying to be the artist that I grew up on and find my own sound and who I am. And, uh, so, I mean, there's a blessing that's guys there. I got my first single out to radio, you know I mean? As, as much as I laugh at it, I got the 62 on billboard. And I know most people would shock at that. Like, yeah, who cares? But it's like, Hey, there was my name, a number, and a song on the Billboard chart. I don't care if it's five <laughs> exactly. it was on <laughs> Right. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, but then right in the middle of all that, you're on this nationwide radio tour. You're on these high-dollar steak dinners all over the country every single night. And then you realize that, you know, the head of the label's embezzling money. They're putting all this on you. And, oh, all those steak dinners and all this traveling you got, guess what? You owe that back in your royalties, you know. And I just <laughs> – that's back to where I wish I wish I would have had people around me that really made me understand the business that early on. Yeah. And um, and so, you know, I, I, I was just chomping at the bit to get out of that deal. I couldn't wait because I knew I had some other stuff in the works. So I finally – I remember it was May 1st, 2013. I'm getting out of that record deal and publishing deal, so I thought. I'm shopping around. I'm getting interest from all these publishers and – at the time, I got a buddy in mind that I'm, I'm writing with a lot that's really trying to push me out of my comfort zone, man. Like, let's put – no matter what you sing, it's going to be traditional <laughs> country because of your voice. But it doesn't yeah. have to be sounding traditional track, which is the biggest crock of horse shit that I'll ever say in my life. But I uh, – <laughs> you know, I, I went along with it, and right then and there, I got offered a pub deal. I was about to have five cuts that probably all would have been number one singles because they were all planned to be singles. And – then you find out that this corrupted record deal I signed that, yeah, I was out of the record deal, but I was actually held up on my publishing deal. So I couldn't sign a publishing deal, which was kind of the key to Nashville and how everything works. You know, you get a pub deal, you're right, that leads to a record deal. And so 
I, I was at a very dark time in my life. I was stuck. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. All these guys mm-hmm. that I've been writing with that was helping me wouldn't write with me anymore because, you know, I didn't have a demo budget. And so, once again, blessing in disguise. I was forced to go, all right, well, now what? And I thank God every day. One of my best friends, Arliss Albritton, was uh, he used to manage and tour manage Jamie Johnson. He was a songwriter, had a lot of hits on the radio, that kind of deal. And mm-hmm. he kind of helped me go, man, you need to quit focusing so much on music row and figure out how to get out of here. And so uh, we started writing, and uh, he really started pushing me to kind of get back to, to me. You know, like I said, I'd spent – so yeah. long chasing Nashville for cuts, writing all this bro stuff and all the stuff that I just couldn't stand. And I mean, it really does. It brainwashes you to think, well, hence this sound, this topic, nobody's going to touch it. And uh, he started throwing me on the bus with different artists that he was working with and kind of training me to be a tour manager. And really, ultimately, what he did was he taught me how to be a road dog. And you know, I always say there, there's two mentalities. You can sit and play in who's, uh, who's who game in Nashville, or you can go out and earn it yourself. And I, at the time, I was just a stupid kid, just, all right, well, this is cool. I guess I can go out and play for free and maybe sell some T-shirts so I can make some money, you know. But uh, all in that time, he was introducing me to the Texas scene. And um, mm-hmm. so, I, I, I to this day, I'll never forget, you know, I'm in the midst of trying to kind of get back to my roots. And I remember he was getting so mad at me. He's like, you're still chasing, you're still chasing. And uh, there was – two instances that I will say changed my life. And it's that mm. the first one, there was a promoter up in uh, Champaign, Illinois, and he would bring me to town to do shows, trying to help me get a fan base again. The two big markets that, that really I started touring and trying to build in was Columbus, Ohio, and there in Champaign, Illinois. And mm. uh, he kept trying to play me a bunch of Texas country. And I just, at the time, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know why you're like this isn't me either. I don't know what you're talking about. And, all of a sudden, I'm back in the backpack in my suitcase, and there's a song coming on called Me and My Kind by Cody Johnson. And mm-hmm. I remember I came running out of that bedroom, and I said, who the hell is that, and why are they doing the kind of country I'm told I'm not allowed to do? And I went on that whole drive back. I found his record. And, man, I'm telling you, to do another song, another record, anything, but that Cody Johnson record, I think, for the next six months. Okay. No matter if I was running, driving, I just – I literally, I went, okay, there's people out here that like this and do what I want to do. How does this work? You know, because I'm so stuck in this Nashville music row mentality. And uh, that leads to number two where, you know, the the way Nashville works, especially in the writing world, is after Thanksgiving, it's pretty much if you want to sit around and go to Christmas parties and stuff like that, you can, or you can just say, "Ah, I'm around these people all the time anyway and going on. And so uh, I normally would just at Thanksgiving go home and spend that time with my family because, you know, kind of like you said, you know, I, I sacrificed the move. And so I never see my family anymore. And uh, my my friend taught me into staying that night and going to a Randy Rogers and Wade Bowen concert. And I'll never forget Wade got up on stage and he was kind of making a joke about not having big hits and only making it to the 30s on radio. But he said that, you know, we're out here doing country music the way we want to do it, selling out venues like this, and we're making a great living doing it our way. And, man, that just smacked me right in the gut, forehead, heart. <laughs> <laughs> what, do it whatever you're doing, it, it, it got me. And uh, 
so I remember I was driving home that next day, and I'm back listening to that Cody record again. And I remember somebody telling me that, you know, Trent Willman produced him. And I knew Trent was in Nashville, and I knew I had some guys. And so it made me want to go back and listen to Trent Willman's records as an artist. And so <laughs> I uh, I made a phone call because I found out that actually my engineer, Bart Bush, actually did a lot of the engineer work for him on Cody with Trent. And uh, so I called Bart, and I said, man, I was like, could you put me in touch with Trent Wilman? And it was just funny because, you know, I've worked with Bart, you know, five, six years probably at this point already. And just the sigh of relief in his voice when he said, I thought you would never ask. And uh, so he did. He put us in an email. I got in the room. I wrote with Trent. You know, we kind of started that connection. But we wrote a little more. We wrote a little more. And insert the next chapter of my second record deal where I signed with this company called Silverado Records. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, once again, didn't have a good feeling about it. I just, from day one of meeting the head of the label, I was like, I do not have a good feeling about this guy, but we're stuck. I can't put out new music. We need something. So we do, and we get ready to do the record. And of course, I'm like, I want Trent to produce this project. And so Trent does. And man, that just, I, I knew we were getting cool with writing, but being consistently around him day in, day out, I mean, he truly became the big brother I never had. And uh, yeah, so he yeah, yeah, we get he did, and we get in the studio, and with Trent, I'm sure everybody's experience is different, but for me, it was just validating because for once, for the first time ever in my entire career, I'm in there and we're talking about songs, and he's like, absolutely, you know, songs on this new record that's coming out in two weeks. This is the record that I did with Trent, and there's songs on there that I wrote over ten years ago that were quote unquote too country. Trent's in there going, absolutely, that song's got to be on this project. Or, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out the instrumentation. I'm like, man, I think that needs to be fiddle right there. Trent's absolutely that. Sh-. You know, it just we were on the same page about everything, and we're normally where I normally would want steel guitar and fiddle and not rocking guitars, or I don't want these electronic drum beats, you know, and Trent's on the same page. And so it was just the first time that it wasn't a project that I felt like I was just banging my head against the wall. And yeah. So we do the CD, and once again, let's enter back into the negative. I've got this record label promising that they've got all this stuff lined up, and it keeps getting closer to the date for our first release, and there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing. And then once again, a song comes out, it's just wasted. So I'm like, I don't know what to think. And so I think Trent kind of saw what was going on and saw me trying to get back to my roots, and (laughs) So he made a phone call to get me a date or two opening up for Cody Johnson. And uh, I go open for Cody, and that leads to two months oh, straight wow. of opening up for different Texas acts. And so just huh. – I don't know. It, it was a different crowd. You know, I would gotten to do the NFR in Vegas, which I realized was a cowboy crowd. But um, mm-hmm. I just kept seeing I'm like, there's people out here that love this kind of country, but Nashville isn't focusing on them. And uh, yeah. after – two months of opening up for texas guys you know every single night guys or crew members you know the artists they were all coming up to me and going man you'd be great in texas why are you sitting around in nashville and so the last time i heard that was aaron watson and his crew in my hometown of little rock and uh i just finally said you know what you're right and so i drove back to nashville i called the head of the label and said i'm moving to texas and a week and a half later i was gone and uh I had been writing with a guy named Curtis Grimes a lot in Nashville, and he had always told me, man, you should really come to Texas. So 
you talk about kind of gut check. You know, like I said, you go from tour buses and sometimes getting to be in arenas and stuff like that to carrying around your high school PA to do four-hour cover gigs for 200 bucks again. And I was like, you know, it's, do I really love this? And the answer was yes. But I, uh, I called Curtis and I said, you know, all right, I'm here. Now what? And he goes, well, man, here's my manager's number. Tell him to, to throw you on any show of mine to support that you want to do. And so – I did, and that led to, to Brandon actually being my manager and still my manager today. And, you know, we started getting things going. We get that first single out to Texas radio. And, you know, I'm not sure what y'all know in Georgia, but, you know, back in Nashville, I remember all I ever heard was, man, Texas don't take in outsiders, especially guys from Nashville. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm from Arkansas, and I went to Nashville. I don't know how this is going to work. <laughs> and so uh-huh. we throw out that first single, and, man, radio just – really embraced us the fans were embracing us and and we get a number one single with beer bucket list right out of the gate but in in the midst of that once again go with that gut feeling i had a bad feeling about this record label and uh you know i won't go into details of what happened but long story short they were shady they were the bad people i thought they were and so what a lot of people don't realize is i was actually in a record label dispute about half of the time that that song was being pushed to radio and so I was stuck again, can't put out music. I just had this, this moment that's telling me that, all right, here you are, you're where you're supposed to be. We're, we're starting to get, we're selling out some of the smaller venues and we got all this momentum. We have a number one. And then I can't put out any new music for about eight months because of the lawsuit. And, you know, I start kind of getting a little dark again. The crowds are starting to go down. You know, I'm starting to second guess. I'm starting to wonder about everything. And, Finally, uh, you know, there was some court orders where I won and they appeal and that kind of stuff, you know, that they were doing the shady game to try to think they could run me out of money. (laughs) One thing I've learned is I'm a stubborn son of a gun. (laughs) I don't take the word no very well. But um, finally, they came in and basically said, if we'll give you the record, will you please drop this lawsuit? So I finally get my record back and... We put out, I can give you one, but, you know, it's not taking off as fast. You know, the Texas scene, there's a lot of new guys doing what I do. And so yeah. then you got a mental battle there mm-hmm. where it's just not moving as fast as you want it to. But finally, about February, I can give you one starts really climbing. Our crowds are starting to pick up again. And, I mean, I'm telling you, we go number one with the second single, and the next week, COVID hits. <laughs> oh, and wow. so – Mm-hmm. I'm just once again, I'm like, God, what did I do to piss you off? <laughs> but, um, but you know, once again, everything's timing. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I've had a lot of moments to really reflect and really think about everything and just what's supposed to happen. And through COVID, you know, like I said, I, I was forced to sit at home and do these Facebook lives. And, you know, I, I don't want to dog any artists, but there's a lot of guys that have to hide production and auto-tune and all that because the reality of it is they're just not that great. And uh, one thing I'll say about all these Facebook lives is it separated the, the men from the boys on a talent perspective. And so, you yeah. know, I, I really, really, really saw our social numbers and the buzz, you know, rising through all these Facebook lives that we did. Meanwhile, we got Neon Town going to radio for my third single, and it's flying up this chart faster than anything I've done. And, you know, in the reality of it, we were only down for two months from touring. And so we come back in May, and, you know, oh, that was the other – I forgot about that. So, yeah, 
the record was actually supposed to come out on May uh oh what was it like May 25th or something like that mm-hmm. and we had this like six week nationwide album release tour plan and all that so I mean that that was the other downsides of it was the record didn't come out you know we had to cancel this tour that we were going all over the country on but I, I think it was all a blessing disguise and it wasn't God's time you know and yeah so mm-hmm. like that we get back to touring and I mean really I Every show that we've had that's been a hard ticket, you know, has been to the max capacity that people are allowed to have. You know, obviously, you know, they can't go full capacity, but I, we've done it. We've, you know, we were able to get a music video shot, you know, that, that's the fact it's coming out. It's going to premiere on CMT here on the, I don't know, like two weeks. I feel like I remember all these dates, man. All that stuff's supposed to be important. I'm terrible about it, but. I don't know, man. You know, I'm sure there's going to be another time that, that everything kind of goes down. But, you know, I'm, I'm in one of those moments where I, I think that's one thing about the music businesses. And I always tell people is just there's a lot of highs and there's a lot of lows. And I, I don't know about everybody. I know for me, the lows can really drag you down. And so that's why I try yeah. to just make sure I truly enjoy the highs. And, you know, right now I'm on one of those highs. I mean, we're touring wise oh, wow. going great. We, we've got more buzz than I think I've ever had around myself. You know, I got this record mm-hmm. that is the record I've been waiting my entire mm-hmm. life to put out. It's finally coming out two weeks from today. And uh, I don't and know, We're going to play it's, your song in a minute, So your song Signs, in just a minute. Yeah, man. That's another one in there. That, that, that's a song I've been waiting so, so long to record that was just quote-unquote too country. And so it just, I don't know. It th- This record is everything I've dreamed of it being. It's for the first time in my life I own my record. I'm not letting a record label or some executive tell me what I can or can't do. And it just, I, I don't know. It just feels right. You know, <laughs> That's about the only yeah. to explain it. so with that, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll play your song signs and we're going to come back and talk some more. How's that? All right, man. All right. Hang on the line. Hey everyone. Right. We have partnered with another great podcast called the sports guys podcast. You can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. The Sports Guys Podcast is a sports and country music podcast hosted by Brandon, Nick, and Andy. They cover sports on a state, regional, and national level with many of the biggest names in the sports industry. The Sports Guys also host a Backstage Pass music segment where they go behind the scenes and talk with some of the biggest artists in country music, everything from Texas country, Americana, as well as Nashville artists. The Backstage Pass provides a more in-depth look at the musicians' rise in music as they talk about their career and tell stories about their music to share with their fans. Many of the same guests will be appearing on our show as well. Again, you can find them over at the Sports Guys Podcast. They got signs that tell you stop. Signs that say slow down. Signs that tell you it's a dead end road and you better turn around. Signs for the price of gas Signs with the Bible verse But they don't make a sign with a flashing light To tell you that you're losing her They ought to make a sign of a girl with a tear in her eye Luggage in her hand waving goodbye Two tail lights slinging gravel at a private drive They ought to draw a man 
for a dozen roses that I pass every day. Just before I read the one that tells me I'm getting on the interstate. It's 80 miles to Dallas from the exit where I live. Well, that one probably wouldn't hurt so much if it wasn't for the ones I miss. They ought to make a sign of a girl with a tear in her eye. Luggage in her hand, waving goodbye. Two tail lights slinging gravel out of they ought to draw a man on his knees, praying to the Lord. Light them both up like a big bill for to miss something like that. A man would have to be blind not to see the signs like the one she tried to give me just before the night she left that I should have seen Make a sign of a girl with a tear in her eye, luggage in her hand, waving goodbye. Two tail lights slinging gravel out of private drive. Yeah, they ought to draw a man on his knees, praying to the Lord. Light them both up like a big billboard to miss something like that. A man would have to be blind. Really great song. Yes, love it. Great song. So tell us how that song came together. Uh, You know, it's funny. I always get told, like, you shouldn't tell the story about this song. It kind of takes away from the meaning. Um, I am extremely sarcastic and extremely ADD. And uh, I remember I was on my way to the writing session that day, and I'm driving down 440, and, of course, it's just rush hour traffic because that's pretty much all Nashville is anymore. And uh, it's funny how when you're going slow, you kind of pay attention to things around you a little more than you normally do. And so I'm just passing all these billboards and all these signs, and my sarcastic side had this ADD thought of, there's literally a warning sign for everything on earth except for to tell you that you're being an idiot. She going to leave you over it. <laughs> so, uh, I came into the writing room and I kind of just said that as a joke. And uh, I don't know, next thing you know, we get this idea for signs. And it went from this lighthearted something I said to a very, very deep, very thought out song that just, like I said, hands down to this day, just one of my favorite lyrical songs I've ever, ever, ever been a part of. And, uh, so, yeah. I love that. One of the things we like to do on our show is, as you know, you know, a lot of times people see the artists, but they don't see like any PR people, managers, producers, none of that. They don't see the team at all. And I don't think uh-huh. teams get enough love out there, to be honest with you. You're absolutely correct. Because they do correct. a lot of work behind the scenes that people don't see. So. Yeah. Tell us, take a few minutes and tell us about the team that helped you be who you are. Uh, you know, I mean, mine is still pretty small. I mean, the reality of it is, yeah. yet where you got to pay them. So, um, <laughs> for me, uh, my manager, Brandon Steen, has been the saving grace. I mean, I, I don't, I, actually, there ain't no I don't. I know that uh, 
I would not have been able to navigate as fast through this Texas scene had it not been for him. Um, being able to team up with Curtis and him being able to get me in a lot of these venues as an opener and be able to be a hard ticket guy. You know, I mean, it's he's he's doing the booking agent's job. He's doing the management job. I mean, he's he's pretty much it's been me and him as a two man team for the most part, really, for the better part of the two years plus that I've been here in Texas scene. But uh, we brought on a publicist here uh, since the uh, whole thing happened to Randy Reed and. Man, she's been killing it. You know, she got us, like I said, the premiere on CMT for the new single for Old School. It's going to be airing here uh, oh, wow. in two two weeks. Wow. And uh, she's been, you know, just lined up. All, that's what people don't realize, how much PR matters, man. I mean, you can go out and run all yeah. over the place and, and do all the stuff mm-hmm. you want. But that, having that PR person that can really get you in front of more people makes such a huge, huge difference. And then, uh, I mean, to me, the, the big, big part of it, too, is my band. You know, I mean... I do love doing acoustic shows. I can be very intimate. I can be storyteller. I can do that kind of stuff. But the energy of the full band show is where I think people take a different approach to me and really buy into to me as the the performer. Yeah. And uh, having those guys behind me <laughs> makes it a heck of a lot more fun up there on stage. And so uh, <laughs> there's that. You know, I, I got to give props to even, you know, it, they're not necessarily the quote-unquote music team, but they are my team, and that's my folks who – have really supported yeah. me over the years, you know. I mean, it's, I love the fact that I don't have them having to sell T-shirts or help me haul gear anymore when <laughs> I go to shows. They can finally just show up and, and just enjoy it. But, you know, for the longest time, they were helping <laughs> me do everything. And, oh, wow. and uh, even just, just my girlfriend, Lang, you know, I mean, she's such a supportive person that, that's really helped me through a lot of times. And, I mean, you know, she's the one that really back in, you know, this past September when I was really down about things not taking off the way I was, she, she was really the one that really got me mentally right you know and so uh it, it's a small team right now but it's been an effective one so obviously there's business <laughs> management and stuff like that but as far as the the day-to-day making it go i would have to give all the credit to those folks right there that is awesome and we kind of have a third co-host ourselves our um our little eight-year-old really we let him come on and ask one question <laughs> so sandy's gonna right. him on real quick yes i'll go get him <laughs> i love it i love but, it and we've got an 18-month-old daughter that when she gets older, she'll be plugged into the show, too. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, raising them right early. <clears throat> yep, because we are – it's funny. I always tell people we are a family affair, and we recently <laughs> just locked in the name Family Affair Media because we're going to try to run everything under that. That's awesome. That's kind of like, you know, with me and my touring company. Everybody gets cracked up, but it's, uh, you know, Sideburns, Inc. So uh... – <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Okay, I've got Christopher here. He's ready with his question. All right. Hi, Christopher. Hi, David. What's your favorite food? My favorite food? That's easy. I'm actually going to make it tonight. It is steak. Mm. Does that sound What's good, a, Chris? A pizza. Yeah, I'll say pizza's a close second now. I do love me. Pizza and tacos are probably like the tie for anything besides steak. Heck yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he 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 loves that his little part. Hey, that's all I love it. That's awesome. That's cool little light light lighthearted part. (laughs) I can't talk. A good lighthearted way to bring the mood back up there. (laughs) So if you could co write with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and what would you want to write about? Oh man. Um 
this is probably a little bit of a cliche answer, but I mean, I think it would have to be Dean Dillon, and that's just oh, well. solely for the fact that he wrote most of the songs that my hero George Strait did. And uh, oh yeah, I, you know, I mean, George Strait one hundred percent made me. I mean, that, that, that's the reality of it. You know, I. I spent, yeah. I spent my entire mm-hmm. career trying to figure mm-hmm. out how to have my own identity, but the reality of it is, even at 33 years old, I still just want to be George Strait. But uh, <laughs> I, the way he has been able to paint pictures with his words, I mean, mm-hmm. even his melodies. I mean, George Strait is traditional country as it gets, but Dean's always had a way to take almost a pop melody and make me not even think or realize that it is that. He just He's got a yeah. different way of writing that that I don't think anybody ever has or will do, you know. I mean, it's – like I said, I don't want to get on my soapbox like I'm talking down on a lot of the riders in Nashville right now, but it's just – there's not many guys doing the craft. I mean, there's there's an art to songwriting. It's not just saying stuff or just having some some lyric that that is slangy and rhymes. Like, there's an art to painting pictures, and I think Dean Dillon does that better than any writer that's – Ever right. Nashville, and so that—that yeah. that to me is is the the difference. Yeah, that that is awesome. Mm-hmm. So, um, this past February made the five year anniversary that we asked Kelsey Ballerini where she wanted to be in five years. And I always like to tell this quick story. Um, to, I'll tell you this: so five years ago, can, she was living next door to me. So I, I'm I'm sure uh, cool. her answer might have been getting away from me, but <laughs> <laughs> but but I always like to tell this story because uh, give artists an idea. Well, to think about this before they, I ask that exact same question. But she, yeah. the answer she gave us back then, is to the T of what she's living right now, which is mm-hmm. really amazing to watch. That, that she knew where she was going. So knowing that, and cool that you live next door to her back then. That's pretty cool. But knowing <laughs> that, um, where do you want to be in five years? Oh man, you know that's something that you do get asked a lot. That's more of a professional question. Um, I'm a firm believer in small goals because, you know, if you'd have asked me at 19, I said, well, I want to be the next superstar selling out arenas. And I've kind of realized that what comes along with that, I don't know that I necessarily care for that life. I mean, obviously, sky's the limit. I want to be as big as possible. But I, uh, you know, obviously be a household name and not just the Texas scene, but I I would love to be able to be, you know, I guess it's mainstream the word. I don't know if I really want to use the word mainstream, but, I would love to be a mainstream, you know, torch carrier for traditional, what I just call real country music. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah. For, for me, it's just, I don't know. It, it's a living doing this. And so that's the only thing that makes you say, well, I want to be able to sell out this number. But I, the reality of it is, is I just hope that I'm doing what I'm doing right now on a bigger scale and, and, and living comfortably doing it. You know, I, 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 I say it every night, man. I, I'm the luckiest guy on earth, and I don't care if it's being broke as heck or, yeah. or making all the money in the world doing this. I I wholeheartedly love country music. I always have. Mm-hmm. I always will. That That is the biggest love I'll ever have. And it's the biggest blessing I have that I get to do it for a living, that I get to step on a stage, that I get the chance to write songs and record them, and that I get to do it for a living. And uh yeah. So I, I don't know, man. I mean, it, five years. I mean, it, it's a generic answer. Maybe it's not deep enough, but it's just. I yeah. hope I'm comfortably doing exactly what I'm doing right now, man. I, I love this. That's great. I, I absolutely love this. 
I love that. Now, let's say that you look 10, 20 years down the road, and you're a success on whatever level, whatever that is, whatever that looks like, you were there. Um, and let's say that the person you are now can meet your future self. What would you tell him? Whew. Probably don't be an idiot because I seem to do that a lot. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's hard to say. I, I don't know how to, to truly answer that question, but I can tell you what I would tell younger me right now, and that would be to stay the course and keep doing what you're doing. Um, don't chase. You know, I, I spent a lot of time in Nashville chasing because I felt like I had to, and I really truthfully believe I wasted a lot of years of my career chasing the Nashville machine and so I don't know if I had to guess I figure it would be something like that in the matter of just you know don't let the hard times change who you are or compromise what you're doing I think it would have to be something like that on a at least if it's a musical level career-wise yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know no. <laughs> there may be some deeper answer but I don't have it right now yeah now sticking to advice side a little bit Let's say you had a friend of yours, and let's say you heard him or her sing, and they got something special. There's definitely something there. And let's say they've played maybe 40 or 50 shows, so they're still getting their feet wet on the performance side. But they've gotten on stage, and they've gotten what every artist says, that stage bug where they're looking over the crowd, and the crowd's roaring for them. And they know they're in the right place, and they come to you, and they say, David, I know I'm supposed to do this with the rest of my life. What advice would you give that specific person to help guide them the next two, three, four years? Stay hungry. Um, <laughs> once again, don't let one. the downs don't let the downs get you down. Um, you know, the music industry is and will always be a roller coaster ride. I mean, I don't care how big you are, there's going to be a day that you're going to slide back off. I mean, you know, they quit playing Haggard and Jones on the radio at one point. I mean. <laughs> They try to quit playing George Strait. And so, I mean, that's a way bigger thing than what you're talking. But it just – there's going to be a day where you're tired or you don't feel like doing this show or the crowd's not that great. And it's just stay on course and keep doing what you're doing. Um, I think that would have to be the, the biggest, biggest, biggest part of it. Yeah. I, I know for me, you know, like mm-hmm. I said, there was a time there where back before all the COVID stuff to where there were some nights that I was just tired. I was ran down. The crowd wasn't that great. And – you know, after all the COVID stuff, I, I pretty much told myself that I'm never going to take any night on stage for granted. I'll make sure that I act like it's my last show. And I'll tell you what, since I've gotten that mentality, I think that's part of why the touring has been so good for us that we've been at. It's just mm-hmm. I'm having a blast up there, and I try to make sure that I remember how lucky I am to do that every night. And so I think if I could tell just someone that, – that, that might be the best summary of it is remember how lucky you are to get to do this. I mean – yeah, there are so many people out there that that dream of being able to do the stuff that we're doing. And, you know, I may not be doing it on a huge scale yet, but we're there. You know, <laughs> the the mm-hmm. I, I know I'm getting off topic here, but like people always say, like, when do you know that you've made it? And I'm like, well, I mean, it, what's your definition of made it? I wanted to hear myself on the radio and have number one songs, so I've done that. I wanted to ride in a tour bus, I've done that. I wanted to. To be on stage at sold-out concerts, I've done that. It's so, a I mean, journey, it's, not a designation anyway. It is, and that's one thing with this Texas, you know, coming here and doing this the way I've been doing it is that I just 
one of the things in Nashville I never did was stop and smell the roses. Everything I did was just, well, that was cool, but what's next? You know, and I've tried to really, really make myself enjoy the milestones. And I'll tell you what, that mentality's helped me a lot, and I've been a heck of a lot happier with it. So maybe that's even the answer to it is enjoy the milestones. But yeah, there know. you go. <laughs> yeah. So what message will take everything out of you? So what message sorry, do ahead. you want to portray? Yeah, what message do you want to portray through your music? What What is your ultimate message? You know, it's authenticity. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, once again, this isn't a bashing thing, but country music to me, I, I, I guess it's really that. It's carrying that torch of country music. You know, I always say country music's gotten to a point where it's only about Friday and Saturday nights. Country music's about Monday through Thursday, too, and Sunday. I mean, it's it's about life. Mm-hmm. It's not just a party. It's about, you know, beer bucket list, man. It's about chasing dreams. It's about not being complacent. You know, signs is about heartbreak, you know. Old school, the, the new single. I mean, I single-handedly cut that song because I see a lot of guys acting ways that I think men shouldn't act, and it's calling them out on it. I just, I, for me, it's just getting back to the roots of country music, and I hope that, you know, it can tell the story and, and – carry that you know i i like said i i just want to carry the torch of the kind of country music that i grew up on and i think we need to have again today love that so as we come to a close here what is a question that you wish hosts like us would ask but they kind of never do (laughs) oh man uh you may have stumped me on that one you guys got pretty deep on me today uh i I can tell you (laughs) a list of them that i get asked that i'm like i wish you'd steer away from but um (laughs) Mm-hmm. To me, an artist, you're kind of an open book. You know, I mean, there's certain things that might be too personal or whatever, but I, I don't know. I don't know if there necessarily is a question that I haven't been asked that I want to be asked. Uh, <laughs> usually, as an artist, we'll just bring it up if we <laughs> if we want to talk about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, as we end here, tell everybody how they can reach you. Absolutely. Uh, obviously, the main website, David Adam Burns, B-Y-R-N-E-S dot com. Uh, we're on all the social media, all the music outlets, you know, Spotify, Apple, can't miss it. So I even got one of them TikTok things that I really don't like using because I think it's really weird. But anyway, <laughs> if there's a way to find us out there, all you got to do is search my name and we're there. The Chris and Sandy shows on TikTok too, but I've never done one because I'm like you. I, I don't really want to be yeah, on it. Yeah, we but, don't. But we got an account. <laughs> I, that's it. I, I just mean, you know, like I was on Facebook when you had to be in college to even be on it, you know, and I keep making, I'm just like, can we just make like one deal that just everybody uses? Do we really need like 10 different separate things? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we enjoyed having you on today and we definitely look forward to having you back down the road. I appreciate it, y'all. Thank y'all for having me. And uh, like I said, just make sure everybody knows that record. October 2nd, make sure y'all go download it, buy it, all that good stuff. And, uh, you can pre-save it and pre-order it right now through uh, basically our Facebook, our website, all that good stuff. So hopefully everybody likes this full record. Love it. We'll talk awesome. to you soon. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it, y'all. Oh, thank you. 